Let us pray. Our precious Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege we have tonight to study your word. We rely on your spirit. We trust him to guide us through this, to enable us to teach your word accurately and to give us understanding in the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are talking today on the spirit upon us. The spirit upon us. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Acts 1 said, but you shall receive power. Luke 24, 49 says, until you are endued with power from on high. As a matter of introduction, last week we focused on the study of the Spirit of God amongst us. Before then, we have studied about the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and the very important work it does in us to transform us into the image of Christ through revelation of who Christ is. And this means that we should understand who Christ is as our savior, our healer, our life, our righteousness, and, and our, 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 our strength. You have to know Christ in, in all the manifestations that, he, that produced all these things for us through the cross. If you say he saved you, he's your savior. So you need to know Christ the savior. You need to know Christ the healer who brought you healing. You know Christ our righteousness who brought you righteousness. You should know Christ your life who brought your life in, life in abundance. You, know, you should know him as your savior and deliverer who delivered you from powers of sin, delivered you from powers of the devil. So when they talk about knowing Jesus, it means to know him in all this capacity. To know him in all this capacity. You should know him as your guide. Your guiding light is the light that enlightens everyone that comes into the world. So you know he's your guide. You have no option than to Paul say, I follow Christ. You know, so that's what it means to know him. That's the revelation he gives us from within. And in knowing that, it transforms us into the image of Christ Jesus. Now, let's remind ourselves of the importance of the Holy Spirit among us. Every one of these things is important and has a very important role that Christian must know what it means. God is not joking. There are things that are indispensable. He has to be in us. He has to be among us. He has to be upon us to fulfill very specific important functions in the kingdom of God. Now, the, the, the spirit among us, we were, we were talking about it last Thursday, but I need to touch on it again because this is a teaching that is not really common. You rarely hear people teach about this. And so the Christian doesn't even understand his, his calling as a priest. Don't even, many people have never had any teaching about their calling as a priest. So we give God the glory and the credit for teaching us all of these things. So we're going to talk about the spirit among us. The scripture teaches 1 Timothy 2, 1 Peter 2, 5. You, 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 you also are lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. 
and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. The Bible says the Christian is called to offer sacrifices acceptable to God as God's priest here on earth. A Christian must know his assignment as a believer to offer these sacrifices. It's just like a pastor who doesn't know he's a pastor. He doesn't teach because he doesn't know. But this priestly assignment that God gave us is very important. It's very key. And every Christian must know it and function in it. So we are being built up as a place of his residence. Individually, he's in us, but collectively, he's also in us. This house is called, the, we are the temple of God. We are the temple of God, a place of worship. And we can see the purpose as Peter wrote. Peter says that the purpose of this is to offer up spiritual sacrifices, not just one, sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So if we're not offering it up, we're failing. And we should know what the sacrifices are. These are not sacrifices for sin. Jesus did that. Again, it's not sacrifices for sin at all. Jesus did that, and only him could do that. So we're supposed to be offering spiritual sacrifices as priests to God as, as members of his body and called to do that in this temple, in this temple. Number one thing is the Christian has the, the, the privilege of offering the sacrifice of service. The sacrifice of service. There are other sacrifices, sacrifice of praise, thanksgiving, sacrifice of you know, uh, taking care of people. That's what I'm trying to talk about now. The sacrifice of, of, a, of a service. Every Christian gets a chance to offer this sacrifice in the temple. The sacrifice of service. Every Christian gets that chance. Every believer must know you are called to offer these sacrifices acceptable to God. One of them is your sacrifice, your sacrifice of serving Jesus. Look at Ephesians 4.15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. You see, that's what it does in us. More and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church, 16. He makes the whole body fit together, you see, perfectly like a temple. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other part to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So as, as each part is offering their service, then the whole body is growing. There's a spiritual, the spiritual needs are made of the whole body. Emotional needs are made of the whole body. Financial needs are made of the whole body. You can see the wisdom of God as he's saying that I'm building you up a temple and I'm there. Because without this, there's no way we can be more useful in the hand of God to meet the need of individual Christians. So he says, as each part is doing their part, every part is growing. Ephesians 4.11. See the spiritual part of this. And he gave some apostles, 
some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the defining of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Every Christian is being built up by their pastors, by their teachers. You, you are being built up so that you too can be in the ministry. Ministry is service. You'll be in the ministry. The ministry is service. And what kind of ministry am I talking about? When you are built up, Sunday school teacher is teaching, is serving in that area, is feeding people the word. The life center leader is feeding people the word. In your family fellowship, you are feeding people the word. But you are being built up. And so you see that those things we do in small groups and we do in church, you can't do them unless we have a means of gathering and being the temple where everybody can now offer the sacrifice. If there's no church, why do you offer the sacrifice? Why do you get built up? There's no organized way you can do that. So as we gather, every Christian is a priest assigned to present his, uh, to, to serve. The usher is presenting something. The, the people sweeping the house, everybody is doing something. And it helps the body to grow spiritually. Acts chapter 4, 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked. See what it does? Because when we are in the body, we can know, oh, this brother has, oh, this brother is in hospital, we'll go and visit. Oh, this brother needs this. And then the members of the ministry will come together. Oh, this brother lost his father or lost his mother. You know, there's this, this coming together to meet the physical needs of each member so that you don't lack anything. Some people need emotional encouragement. The brothers and sisters go to encourage them. That's what they're saying. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the prizes of the things that were sold and led them at the feet of the apostles, apostles with, and the spiritual was made unto every man according as he had need. So you see, that's why we have welfare ministry, we have this ministry, we have all these ministries, so that things are being distributed. People are, are being taken care of as the need arises. So you see that the sacrifice that we offer God is part of this. So when you hear CCP, you rise as a priest and get involved. If you hear that somebody lost somebody, God requires you to give that sacrifice of service, to be there, to encourage. God requires, that's the sacrifice we bring to God that is acceptable to him. You can't stand aloof and say, I don't know him. No, you, you, you know him, he's a Christian. You see, when we don't know what our assignment is, we think there's option in doing this. It's not optional. The Bible said that's why you are called a priest in the house. So you offer sacrifices acceptable to God. Sacrifice of service in honor preferring one another. Making sure nobody lacks. If they need visitation, you go. If they need prayer, you do. Nobody lacks. As you do things, this is we, we are presenting this as God to God as our sacrifice of service. It's not even sacrifice in the sense that you are sacrificing something. 
It's sacrifice in the sense that that's your priestly ministry. What you offer to God, that's what it means. That sacrifice is not in the context of, you know, you are, you are sacrificing. No, no, it's in the context of your calling to bring this ministry to God. Offer you are offering it to God. When you help a sister, you help a brother, you are there when they need you, you are there when they, are get, they, they lose somebody they need, you are offering it to God. Christians must understand this. Let me repeat again. Peter said, "Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. You are doing it to God. Jesus said, as much as you do these things unto my brethren, you are doing it to me. You are offering it up as sacrifice to him. He said, I was in prison. You didn't show up. You didn't play your role. I don't know you. Get out of here. You didn't. I called you, but you didn't. So we can see the importance of the body and why God says, I'm there. Because you, are asked, you, are, you see this thing you are offering to, I'm here. I'm in my temple. Do it as sacrifice. You are bringing it to me as a priest. And the Bible says it's acceptable. Remember when, when, when the church was sending Paul gift? He said, this is sacrifice acceptable to God. He said, it's a sweet-smelling savoir. You sac sacrifice that God smells. And he's happy about it. He said, not that I need this thing so, but this is your sacrifice as a priest that you are offering. To a man of God that was in need as he was serving the kingdom of God. And then as we build, as we sacrifice in teaching Sunday school, Faithfully teaching life center, faithfully teaching your family, wherever you're called, women's ministry, men's ministry, whatever you're giving assignment today, it's your turn to come and teach us. That's a That's your ministry. You should go there and pray and teach. Now, as we do that, we build up the Christians for the next important sacrifice. Remember, he said the sacrifices. The next important sacrifice, as we build up this, it enables the Christian to now offer the next important sacrifice. Remember, the Bible said, as each part is contributing, the body is being built up. Now, the next important sacrifice is this. The more you are being built up by these ministries, the more you are able to offer this one. Romans 6, 13. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. See, as you are being built up, in the life center, in the Sunday school, your family fellowship, in the industry are being built up, you are now able to understand that this is another thing Christians do. We are priests of God to offer this kind of sacrifice to God. We offer our bodies as sacrifice to God. Again, we should know our priestly. You are not doing it because there's hell or heaven. You are doing it because you are called to do so. That's, that's how you... That's your ministry. 
That's your service to Jesus. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Verse, Romans 12, verse 1, cause it sacrifice. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. That's your priestly sacrifice to Christ. That's my priestly sacrifice. That's your priestly sac that's your priestly assignment and duty as a Christian to offer your body to Christ. To offer your members to Christ. He said, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. Peter said, we offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. This is one of them. If you offer your body to sin, to the world, to evil, you are not serving Christ the way he wants, him, wants us to serve him. We bring that body, he said, because of what he's done, he bought us now. So we, we offer it to him as a sacrifice. It's not even something you do because, no, no, it's your service in the temple. In the, in the temple. You learn all these things, then you now serve God in the wider community. When you are lying, you are not serving as a priest. Actually, when you are lying, you are not serving the devil. Because Paul wrote, he said, he said, he said, when this woman, oh no. He said, when he said, when people want to commit to sin, see, they start following Satan. Did I read that thing? My eye popped up. See, they become followers of Satan. Paul said, I follow Christ. And he said, this is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world because they are not serving Jesus. They are not serving Jesus. Look at Philippians 2.17. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life. Wow. Pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. You see, Paul said, even if I have to lose my life, I am going to pour, give it, Christ owns it. Pouring it out as a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God too. And I will want, to, want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. He said, my life, see this is my life, Christ owns it. I've given it to him as an offering. It's, it's a priest, I bring it to him. This is my offering to you, my sacrifice, acceptable to God. We say yesterday, I say, when, you, when we say you give your life to Christ, do we know, really know what that means? What it means is you've handed him over everything. You will not have a say like a dead person. That's what it means. Because I've become a Pentecostal jargon. We don't even know the meaning. We give you your life to Christ. Ah, I gave my life to Christ, 1920. 
What does it mean? It has never registered in him brain or her brain what that thing means. Don't even understand what it means. It thinks it's I joined the church. That's what it means. As a priest in the house of God, you present the sacrifice of your body to him. Like he presented his body as a sacrifice to the father, you present your own to him. Thirdly, if the, 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 the things God can do with us together is, is more than what God can do with us individually. You can see the wisdom of God in saying, I'm in you, but I'm among you. And I'm building a temple so that you can be more effective. Ecclesiastes 4 now, we read it in our life center yesterday, um, on Tuesday. He says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Two better than one. For if they fall, the one will lift up this his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falleth, for he, he had not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, they have hit. But now, but how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a trick food cord is more quickly, is not quickly broken. So you see what God is in. He built a church that the enemy cannot quickly break. Cannot quickly break. So if one is, that's what I'm saying, if one is weak, he's strengthened. If one is missing it, he lands. You can see why the church is important. Why God didn't say, I'm living in you, it's okay. No, he said, I'm living in you, but I'm also living among you. And I'm building you up as, as, a, as a, a powerful, united force that cannot be easily broken. And this is why we need to hear Hebrews 10, 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As a matter of some age, some people think they can be one. No, you can't be a single strand. God didn't build this temple with this. He built it with all of us together. He said, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another as so much more as we see the day approaching. Every new year, your day of living is approaching. It's minus one for everybody. Every new year, minus one. And nobody knows when it ends. So he said, the day is approaching. Either you go meet him or the day is coming, but it's minus one. Every new year, minus one. Sometimes you pass middle of your life, lifespan. You wouldn't even know. Sometimes you are three quarter. So as you see the day approaching, make sure you get involved in this thing. Be part of the temple so that you can offer your spiritual sacrifices. And God can build you also to offer, to use you in the wider society as we demonstrate and display the life of Christ before people. Again, his presence makes his power available to heal, to bless us more than one person. More than one person. Why? It says in Matthew 18, 24, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. I am in them. And then um, Luke 5, 17. 
And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. He was there. You don't, distinguish, don't differentiate between his power and his presence. It's the same thing. It's not less powerful. It's just the, the same thing. What was him? He was there with his ability to heal them. And so if two or three are gathered and he's there, he's there with his fullness of power. He's not there with diminished power. His power is there to heal us, to meet our needs. And it does happen. It really does happen. Psalm 16, 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So if it says, if two or three of you are gathered I'm there, then, then there's this problem. There will be presence of fullness of joy, and there will be pleasures right there when he, brings, when he manifests his power upon the people and heals them, meets their need, opens their eye, and they say, oh, I got this now. It, do you know that revelation, revelation will bring you out of bondage? Because if you know the truth, it says you. So that's one powerful way that God heals us, brings us out of trouble. Because once you get that revelation, you are your way out. The miracle is yours. So now let's go to, because I just wanted to remind us of this. I thought on some of these things. I think the greater details last us a bit. Just to remind us the importance, the importance of this temple, God being among us, and your role as a priest of Christ. It's what God expects us to do. Those sacrifices that are acceptable to, to him, if the sacrifice he expects me and you as priests in the temple to offer to him. So there's no grumbling when you are doing that. There's no grumbling. You are giving to him. I told a group of people, I said, I preach here, yes, I better serve anywhere I see opportunity. Anywhere I see opportunity. I, when we were, no, I used to watch, watch toilet. People didn't know. Because these Brazilians will, will, will harass us. I'll come early and wash the toilet. I will wash it with joy. Very excited. <laughs> it was service to him. Sacrifice. That's what priests do. Joy to serve him. I, I, didn't, I don't even know why I carry table. So, Holy Cup. I don't even know. I just, because I just jump out. Man, I want to... I want, to, I want to serve him. I want to serve him. Give me a break. I want to serve him. I want to serve him. It gives you joy. Gives you joy. It's not something you'll be grumbling and complaining. No, you, he doesn't want that kind of service, that kind of sacrifice that is grudgingly giving. If you want to give it, give it with cheerfulness, give it with excitement. Paul said, I poured my life out as a drink offering to him. Everything is his own. Everything. Now let's go to part two. Is the spirit upon us for power as we read at the beginning. And I want to say something that every Christian should please, please, I beg you, make effort to understand this one. If you don't, you're going to miss something important. This endowment with power is an overflow. It's the word overflow, you must know it. 
It's an overflow. It is an overflow. God does something with us by overflow. Everything by overflow. Look at Luke chapter 6, that 8. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. That word is not there for joke because that's the way God gives. It runs over. It's the run over that brings the blessings to people. They run over. They run over. They overflow. Now, some Christians are leaking vessels. Let me tell you why they leak. When they leak, the flesh, the flesh is, 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 is messing them up. They don't have spiritual strength to control their flesh. Some Christians are leaking vessels. They don't walk from overflow. They leak. And what brings the leaking? Listen to me. The leaking comes to you when you allow people to put a demand in your life that God doesn't want you to be involved in. And if God doesn't want you to be involved in, the overflow can work because the Spirit of God cannot change. He can't change and be running your program. When you allow people to be punching you with their demand, they can only punch you by lick, lick, punching holes in your life. And pretty soon you get burnt out, you get tired. Because you're doing what God is not involved in. You lick. Punch you up. Pum, 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 pum. Pum, 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 pum. When you want to follow and fulfill people's expectations, they will punch holes all over your life. Because God didn't create you to fulfill their expectation. So the Holy Spirit won't give you the overflow for it. God created you to fulfill his expectation for his pleasure. But when you want to fulfill everybody's expectation, they'll punch holes in your life and you'll leak power. You'll be weak. You won't know where it's coming from. You'll be tired. You, you have what they got, got called burnt, burnt, burnt out or my, my mentor said, what, I don't know what, the, what this wilderness thing is about. No. Because you see, you should live in fullness all the time. And it is your overflow. Because if you, are, if, you are, if you are walking by leakage, then pretty soon you'll be empty or half full. But God wants us to be full all the time. You've got to be full all the time. And so what God is using is your overflow. That overflow will do wonders. The Spirit of God will not engage in your, in your private plans to meet people's expectations. You, you can't move him. <laughs> he's not going to move him. If it's not what he starts, he won't be involved. But if you, if you follow him and he's using you, you will never be tired. <laughs> you won't have burnt out because you're always full. And it's the overflow. It's, it's always full. It's overflow. It's overflow. You must understand this. That's why many Christians, get, they can't pray anymore. They, can't stop. they are tired. They leaked, they, they leaked all over. They are leaking vessels all over the place. Numbers 11.25. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto, unto him and took, see how God was. He took of the spirit that was upon him. Overflow. Overflow. Upon him. Upon him. 
and took up the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the 70, 70 elders. So the blessing upon the 70 elders came from Moses' overflow. Moses' overflow. Moses' overflow. And then upon the 70 elders, and it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. It was upon overflow, ex overflow. He, the man was full of it. It was overflow. Let's look at Jesus our Lord as an example. John chapter 1 verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full. Watch the word. Full of grace and truth. He was full. And I'll show you the next thing the Holy Spirit recorded. He was first of all full. Then look at verse 16. And of his fullness. It was overflow. Of his fullness. Have we all, have, we, have all, have all we received? And grace upon grace. He was full of it. And from overflow, grace was pouring out of him. Grace upon grace upon. From that fullness, it was overflow. Overflow. So he was never, never lacking it. He was always in fullness. He was in fullness of it. Was never lacking it. So it was coming grace. Everybody. The whole world could enjoy it. It was still flowing. I pray that God will help us understand the overflow nature of how God was with the overflow. If you understand this and operate in the overflow of God, there are days of tiredness, spiritual tiredness over. Because you'll always be full. God wants us to be full now. Every, the scripture wants us to be full of this, full of this, full of that, full, not half empty. No, full, always full. And if I'm going to be always full, then it's the overflow that God will use. So this is how Jesus explained the baptism of the Holy Spirit to us. He explained the eternal life as a stream. Eternal life as a stream. He explained the Holy Spirit baptism as a river that runs to overflow. Look at John 1.14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as the as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. And to, to, no, I read this one. For, no, no, let's go down to John 7, 8, sorry. He who believes in me, I'm reading Amplified Translation, who cleaves to and trusts in and relies on, not for somebody walking to people's expectation, no, relies on. As the scripture has said, from his innermost being, shall flow. When something is flowing, it's flowing out, it's flowing to overflow. Overflow. Running to overflow. Innermost beings shall flow continuously. Springs and rivers of living what continuous flow. So you are filled up and the things overflowing. And then he told us what he was talking about. But he was speaking here of the spirit. Whom those he, 
who believed, trusted, and had faith in him were afterward to receive. For the Holy Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Yeah. It's talking here about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Rivers, it will flow. Overflow. And you are going to see it as we study the baptism of the Holy Spirit to see it's really overflow of power. It's overflow. Now let's talk about eternal life. In John 14, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself, and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water that I shall that I shall thirst, of this we shall thirst again, but whoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up to it everlasting life. So he's talking about, I'm going to give you life and life more abundantly. This is not water baptism. So the life I give you, it's, it's an eternal life that will never stop. In you. Springing up to everlasting life. So he's talking about eternal life. In the other one, he's talking about the, the flow of river. That's the Holy Spirit baptism he's talking about. One is springing up to life. This one flows, continual flowing, gushing. And the Lord explained to him what this life will do in her life. In John 4, 15, that conversation continues. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst I not. Neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou, hast, thou now hast is not thy husband. In that thou said, Thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Verse 21. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is. Not tomorrow, now. When the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. He said to that woman, you see this life I'll give you. It will make you worship God in truth and in spirit. He said, look at your life now. <laughs> you have many husbands. This one is not your husband. He said, that's because you don't have this life. He said, now the hour has come when true worship, God is seeking people 
who have this life, eternal life. So they can worship God through them. Jesus spoke very deep stuff. He was talking to her about her life, how this life, we're talking about if I drink water, I won't come here. Jesus was, to, Jesus was trying to let her know that I'm talking of life, life that if you have, you won't be having all these husbands and jumping, jumping all over the place. You will now worship God in truth and in spirit. So the purpose of this power that will come upon Christians when they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as one is a but thou shalt receive power when the Holy Spirit has come. I've told you that this power is overflow. It's overflow. Complete overflow of power. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So this power does basically three things. Number one, it enables you to speak beyond your natural ability so that you can overcome every, every hindrance that the enemy throws as you preach the gospel. Remember, when you remember Stephen, the Bible said they could not stand the, the wisdom with which he spoke, the power with which he spoke. They couldn't stand it. So that's what that power does, because it's the Holy Spirit manifesting to you. He said, he said, the Spirit of your Father will give you what to say. The Holy Spirit will be talking through you. So it gives you, in Luke chapter 4, 32, our Lord Jesus exemplified that. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. That's what it does. That's what it does. Number two, it will confirm the word that you preach. The Holy Spirit will confirm that word with that power. Manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Confirm it. In Mark chapter 16, 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord walking with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Will confirm it. That's what that power will do. Will confirm it. God, the Holy Spirit will start using it to do extraordinary things, supernatural stuff. To confirm the word that you've just preached. Number three, the manifestation of the supernatural will be God's, I call it God's dinner bell. I had it from one of these preachers that preached 150 years ago. He said that healing is God's dinner bell. <laughs> All this is God, God rings a bell. And people start coming to eat the, eat the food of life. We say God healing and all this is God's dinner bell. So what God does is through the manifestation of the supernatural of his kingdom, he rings a bell and people start coming. And when they come, he gives you opportunity, the power to speak, and it'll be, it'll be effective. And you're going to see this things play out as we look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the examples of it. This, this, this power of God is not for you to go around and be saying, I have anointing. You're wasting your time. <laughs> you, you just, you just, you, you're so ignorant. You're wasting your time. God doesn't do these things for sure. There's always a reason for what God does. Me, I have anointing. I carry anointing. And the intimidating people, you, if you talk, say, do you know I have anointing? And they tell you how God will deal with you because touch not by anointing. It's all demonic. It's manipulation. Complete demonic. Don't, don't fear such... I don't, don't look at them. 
full of pride. Show that the same demonic spirit, you will see the same character of Satan in them. The same. Because it's the same spirit. If the spirit of God gets, if the, if the Holy Spirit gets hold of you, you'll be very humble. You will be very, very nobody. And I'm telling you, he does this is for this purpose. Preaching of the gospel. And he, a lot of people say they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But they're not interested in preaching the gospel. They don't preach the gospel to anybody. And yet they speak in tongues. That's why you don't see nothing. That may not be even him. Friends, God is very orderly and purposeful. He doesn't do things anyhow. Everything he's doing is geared towards getting people saved and establishing the kingdom. I was saying it yesterday. God is not too much interested in canal things that end here. This is that end here. Jesus said, don't follow me for this things that end here. God is more interested in eternal things that go beyond life here. That eternal things. That's why he's more focused. Souls to be saved. That's why his son died. Not the somebody going around them, people win here. I'm anointed. I carry anointing. And they carry a bottle of oil all over the place. They're fooling themselves. Look at the assignment, church. This is the assignment that, that God gave us. Acts 121. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus, 22. From the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us, whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. That's what they were assigned to do. And that's why they said only those who followed us from when he was baptized to when he rose and ascended can join this and Paul did not qualify because Paul was not there when he was baptized. Paul was not there to see, to, to, be, to, to, to be a witness of his resurrection. Paul was, did not qualify. And they didn't say, well, you know, you people know about Paul, he's so anointed, so let's put him. No, no, they didn't do that. They didn't do that. They wanted eyewitnesses because their function, their assignment was the witness of the resurrection. The resurrection. So they wanted people who saw it. Paul talked about infallible evidence that he showed himself to people. So some of them are still alive. Paul was not there. When he came to them and said, peace be unto you, Paul wasn't there. So Paul was not one of the apostles of the Lamb. These ones were the eyewitnesses who saw him. And he sent them to go and testify to the world that Jesus has risen. Because if he didn't rise, we are for me most miserable. And if God said, this is what I want you to tell the world, then God knows that this is the message they have to hear. Let me read it again. Acts 1 to 1. So now, we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time. We were traveling with the Lord Jesus. And from the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us. Who saw it? Why? Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. 
church, do you know what you're supposed to do? Preach the same thing. Now, let's look practically at the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how these three purposes were fulfilled. First, we said it was to give them the power to preach. The Spirit of God will speak through them. Number two is to ring the bell through supernatural manifestation and the people come. And as they preach, people are saved. Let's look at it. As soon as in, in they have this baptism, and then Acts chapter 2 from verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them clothing tongues like as of fire, and they sat upon each of them. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, fullness, fullness and overflow. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with all their tongues as the Spirit gave them ultras. So the Spirit of God began to manifest this through them. They was giving them, he was speaking through them. Language they didn't learn. Supernatural manifestation started through ordinary human beings. Verse 5. And they, they were dwelling in, at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Verse 6. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together. The bell. God was ringing bells, supernatural. The multitude started coming. They started coming. They started coming. See what the Holy Spirit baptism does. It gives you the boldness and the, and the power to preach it. And they manifest the supernatural of the kingdom that the world has never seen. And that's how I arrested Moses. Moses said, man, what is this? I need to step aside. And when he stepped aside, God got his attention. He said, no, I need to talk with you. Now, the multitude kept together and we are confounded. Never, nobody saw anything like this before. The Holy Spirit of God was manifesting. Because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and, and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And now hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born, Persians, the Medes, the Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia, and in Judea, Cappadocia, in Pontus, in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in parts of Libya, about Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews, proselytes, Greeks, Arabians, we do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful words of God. And they were all amazed. And we're in doubt saying to one another, what means this? God was ringing a bell. <laughs> supernatural manifest. The Holy Spirit was manifesting the supernatural power of God through these people. See what the, 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 the Holy Spirit baptism does. You, the Holy Spirit begins to use you to manifest the supernatural things of God. Uh, supernaturally granted manifestations. That is not part of this world. Now, that's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 22, 
Wherefore, tongues are for a sign. You see? A sign not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. You don't come to, to among Christians and be speaking tongues and we're surprised. No. But when you speak it, the unbeliever hears you speak in his own language, he will say, wow. I heard of a, an, an atheist who was converted in South America, one of these countries. The daughter attended the Christian college, gave her life to Christ, and got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the daughter came home and started praying in the Holy Spirit. And praying in the language, I think, of the, of the father's mother or something. And the man knew that this girl has never gone there. And then the man was, was so baffled that the daughter was talking in the language of his son. I think it's either his mother or his father. And he was like, I'm friendly. And that was how the man gave his life to Christ. It was a sign to him. It was a sign to him. It was a sign to him. This thing should be happening. Should be a common happening. But we have to be on the same purpose with the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel. This thing is not given for you to be a private something to be showing off with. The purpose is the gospel. Be about our father's business. Now, Peter began to explain it. Acts 2, 14. And Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is by the third hour of the day, that this is that which was spoken by the prophet Jewel, and it shall come to pass in the last day, said God, our poor, and I'm pouring. You are full and overflow. It's always an overflow. And I'm pouring. Fear the vessel. Whoa, overflow. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. That manifestation drew crowd. The Bible said the crowd came. Remember, I told you, dinner bell. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Dinner bell. Now, Acts 2.22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved. You know, when they now came, Peter began now to preach to them. I'm telling you, if you go to verse, uh, uh, in verse, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 5. And there, they, 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 there were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, Devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together. God was ringing the bell. Bang, 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 bang. We never seen anything like this. They were rushing. People were leaving. They were rushing. And when they came, they go to where we are reading. Then verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him. In the midst of you, as you yourself also know. Him, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Verse 24. Whom God had raised up. See, they were told to go and witness the resurrection. That was their key message. Whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that 
he should be holding of it. Verse 31. He's seen this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. Did Jesus had God raised up? See? <laughs> his, God raised him up. He's resurrected. He's alive. That's what they were told to tell the people. And they stuck to it. They stuck to it. This Jesus had God raised up. Whereof we are witnesses. We saw it. Come to tell you God raised him up. The message they were giving, they stuck to it. They were not going to go there and begin to argue about Hebrew. And, no, no. Jesus was raised up. He's alive. We saw it. We are witnesses there of being by the right hand of God exalted. I haven't received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. He has shared for this, which you now see and hear. What is the result of this? Remember, the purpose. Number one, give you the power to speak. Give you the word. Number two, ring the bell. People will come. Number three, will drop people onto himself. Look at number three. Ask for 240. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. I told you the power has three purposes. We give you what to say. It will ring the bell. And it will touch them. It will make them come. And he will open their eyes and they will hear it. 3,000 in that process. In that process. Let's see another example. As after they were baptized now, they were overflowing with power. Men, they were overflowing with power. They were, if, if you read Acts chapter, five, chapter 4, chapter 5, you will see how the Bible says that God, through the hands of the apostles, did many signs and what people were afraid of them. They were overflowing with power. And the purpose was to bring people into the kingdom. Bring people to know Christ. Now look at Ashford. Now they have been baptized. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. Remember that this Peter was the one that denied Jesus. Now there's boldness. It's a different Peter now. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, my friend. I got something, though, a few days ago. <laughs> I got something, sir. Just a few days ago. I don't have any silver and gold for you, but I will give you what I have. I have something. The power. Shall I receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you? Shall be for signs and wonders to the uttermost part of the world. To draw people to come and hear the gospel and to bring them into the kingdom. God is about people being saved. About people being saved. About people, any church organization that's not about people being saved, they're not fulfilling God's, God's purpose. The focus should be about people being saved. Every church must be involved in evangelism, supporting missionaries. Your, most of your money should be there. Supporting missionaries out there because that's what God, God wants. 
So the lame, so the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. <laughs> but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have, sir. It happened a few days ago. Okay? He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Oh, the man looked at them and said, Are you, did you drink something? I've never walked. The man sat there looking at them. Then Peter took the man by the hand, by the right hand, and held him, helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then, walking, leaping, praising God, he went into the temple with them. The bell has been rung. See what? The same pattern, even in the life of Jesus, the same pattern. He will come and heal them. Pra, 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 the people will come, he preached. The same pattern, it hasn't changed. You are not interested in evangelism. You don't pray. You are speaking in tongues. So <laughs> one time, become water. Become water. So the purpose is to be witnesses. Be witnesses. That's the purpose of it. Let's read Acts 3 9. And all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the same lame beggar they, they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Verse 11. They all rushed out. Go rock the bell. They all rushed out. In amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John, God, God announced it. Hey, hey, come and hear. The, the, I love that preacher. I find that he said his dinner bell. Now, once God wants to feed, feed people the truth, he rings it and they come. Dinner bell. That's what the Holy Spirit, that's why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for. To give you the, the, the extraordinary power to speak and to ring the dinner bell, and to draw people into the kingdom. Now, verse 11 again. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Put up verse 12. Amazing. I bet put, put verse 12 up. The whole world should read this one. Peter saw his opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Peter saw his said, Man, opportunity has come. God has brought them. The bell is been ringing. Work, work. Did you hear? Is it true? Wow, let me go and see. They were coming. The Bible said Peter saw his opportunity. Opportunity has come. Why? God rang the bell. They've not seen anything like this. And what Peter was explaining later, I said, this faith is by Christ. This is a work of faith. This is a gift of faith. He says this faith came from Christ. It's a gift of faith. It's an act of faith. It's an act of the Holy Spirit. The faith that is by him is by him. This is a gift of faith. So Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? Why start at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godless? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob Tell them, this is your own God. 
the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy one, this holy righteous one. Instead, demanded the release of a murderer. 15, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. See their witness? Go tell them he's alive. God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this fact. That's what we are sent to tell you. Witnesses. Go and be my witnesses. Witnesses of what? That he's alive. He's resurrected from the dead. Simple. 15. You kill the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in his name, in the name of Jesus, this man was saved. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Let's see the result. In Acts chapter 4, verse 4. But many of the people who had their message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. See, the same process. The same process when they spoke in tongues, 3,000. Now this one happened, 5,000. The same process. The same process. They come. He gives them the word they speak. Then the, the people are pierced in their heart. In fact, I, I, there's, a, there's a verse that said they, when they were pierced in their heart when they were hearing Peter speak. They were pierced. The team penetrated their heart. The team penetrated. If I can see it, I think it's in King James Version or New, <laughs> New, Living, New King James Version. See, they were pierced. It pierced their heart. It, it pierced their heart. If you can Google it and, and put it up for me. It pierced, the thing pierced. Pop. It was supernaturally empowered, that word. Pierced their heart. Pierced it. Because the Holy Spirit gave them that extraordinary supernatural ability to speak words with power. They are pierced every resistance. If you find it, I want you to put it up here. It pierced their heart. Now let's look at another extraordinary boldness. Man, this is amazing. Extraordinary. If you get that pierce in your heart, I still want it up there. As for it, then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said unto them, Ye rulers of people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to this impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you and all the people in Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Oh, this is King James. Awesome. Whom God raised from the dead. Even by him does this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head, head of the cornerstone. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among them whereby we must be saved. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John. <laughs> Man, they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They realized that this is extraordinary. Have you found the piercing? Huh? Okay, it's there. Okay, yeah. That's true. That's awesome. Peter's word pierced their hearts. 
And they said to him <laughs> and to the other people, brothers, what would we do? He pierced their heart. That was extraordinary power. Words that was inspired by the Holy Spirit pierced every resistance. Piercing it, it broke through everything. Broke through it. Those words were anointed. They were overflowing. That was Acts chapter 2 verse 37. Yeah, thank you for helping me out right there. It pierced their heart. Destroyed every, every resistance in there. That's why we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. He gives us, he speaks through us words that pierce through people. Pierce their heart. Pierce resistance. Arguments crumble. He said of Stephen, they could not stand the power and the wisdom with which he was talking. The Holy Spirit was talking to him. That's what it does. That's what it does. That's what it does, Pepper. That's what it does. He didn't tell you, I, I'm anointed. You, you don't preach the gospel. You, you're a priest. you don't even know you're a priest of God. You don't bring sacrifices, nothing. You quarrel with people, fight with your wife, fight with your husband, argue with them everywhere you fight. And you say, I'm anointed. My friend, just talk something else. Has this become childly? Extraordinary boldness, as for. And they said, they said, verse 13, and when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant, they said, it's not even that they, were, they went to theological college. How did they arrive at this boldness? What is going on here? They were unlearned and ignorant. They marveled. And took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. That's all they could say. We saw them with that man. Fourteen. And beholding the man which was, which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Every opposition destroyed, smashed. The devil was completely messed up. Because there was overflow of power. Rivers of power was flowing out. It's like, it's like lava of volcano was coming out. Coming out. They couldn't stand it. You dare not. They couldn't stand it. They say these people have turned the whole world upside down. So when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, let us understand the purpose. God is not confused what he's doing. God is not a man. He, he said, I don't give my, my peers to people who trample upon you. They don't know the use. It's not for anybody to go and be demonstrating and become, everybody be af afraid of him. If you go in, four people will carry his food, 12 in front, 12 behind, and everybody following him around. It's anointed. That's not what God did. To the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. And next, next week, we'll continue along this line, show you more examples. And then that will lead us to other manifestations of the Holy Spirit that he does through the Christian. Again, to bring people to the kingdom. All these are dinner bell, he rings. Dinner bell, he rings. Dinner bell.
So let's talk about healing. <clears throat> now, it's important that Christians must believe in God's mercy and love for them. It will make it easy for you to receive everything from God. If you start teaching yourself, convincing yourself about the love of God and the mercy of God for you, unfortunately, many people don't. Don't. They think it's a religious thing. They have to, you know, impress God. The struggle is that many struggle with receiving healing and things from God because they don't know that they don't know God's mercy. They don't know God's compassion. They don't know God's yearning and eagerness to do something for them. They think we have to wake him up and make him. You don't have to. Why you are seen as Christ died for you? You don't have to. It's called receiving. You go and give testimony and say, you know, I did this. This is what I did. When I did this, God did this. <laughs> See now. One part of God's mercy is being preached. I got saved all my life as a Christian. All I had is about forgiveness of sin. And that's all. Nothing else was preached. I didn't hear about righteousness. I didn't hear about nothing else. Is the forgiveness. You're born again. That's all. If there was any other thing Christ did for me, nobody told me. Nobody told me. I didn't know it. And therefore, I was not enjoying it. The, the gospel we preach is incomplete. The mercy of God is not just forgiveness of sin. The mercy of God also brought redemption, brought righteousness, brought new life, brought blessing. No more on that cause. All the things that Jesus did that is for life and godliness, the Christian must be told. That's what he needs to live for life and godly living. If you miss them, you cannot do this. For without him, we can do nothing. So the mercy of God includes forgiveness of sins and includes your healing too. The church must start teaching it. Includes healing too. In Ephesians 1, 7 to 8. In him we have redemption through his blood. We, we talk about it. And the forgiveness of sins. Oh, yeah. Do we even, do we, do, do we even believe forgiveness of sins? For where? We still want to, how can God forgive sin? You know, God says, look, I've given you forgiveness of sin in Christ. People still don't believe that. The blood was shed for you. Oh, yeah, I know, but, but what? What can wash away your sin? Nothing else, nothing else, nothing. Nothing else but the blood. In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins. According to the riches of his grace, riches of his grace, riches of his mercy. Riches of his compassion. That's why he did this. Which he has, which has made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. So that's why he did this. The riches of his grace. So the, the mercy of God provided us forgiveness of sin and freedom from everything that holds us. Complete freedom. The song set you free completely. And then from the, 
Look, how can you talk about forgiveness of sin when I'm still held for, to pay for me? There's no, you are, we are freed from the penalties of sin. And the scripture said these things. I'm not, it's not me. It's in the Bible. The word of the living God. The same message provided us healing. Once your sins are forgiven, you, are no, you don't have any more penalties of sin to pay now. Otherwise, then the forgiveness of sin is not, it's not true. If you forgive me, you can't penalize me now. So if you forgive me, whatever sin brought in my life disappears automatically. But the devil being a wicked and rebellious spirit will try to fight you and try to make you not believe it by bringing symptoms your way. But you need to fight, put up your shield of faith and say, no, and fight it. Look at Romans 5.15. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. Adam's sin and God's gift of grace, gracious gift, gift of mercy, gift of compassion, gift you did not pay for, a gift you don't pay for. If you pay for it, ceases to be a gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. Because he brought sickness to many. That's how it came. Anything that brought death brings sickness to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness. Do we believe it? Gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Adam's sin brought death. But through Christ, forgiveness is given to us. Forgiveness is given to us. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads us, leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Adam's sin brought, made us condemned. For the soul that sinner shall die. But God, Christ gave us forgiveness and brought us out of condemnation and we are justified to life. Complete just, you are justified to health because your sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. So the, what Adam's sin brought, which is death, shouldn't be working in your life anymore. Verse 17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. See? But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it, we live in triumph over sin, over death, through this one man, Jesus. So you live in victory over sickness, over sin. Why? Your sins are forgiven. And therefore, the, the sin of Adam cannot bring sickness to you. You live in triumph over sin, over death. Verse 18, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. The Christ one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone, not death. Adam's sin brought death. Christ's one act of righteousness of going to the cross brought life. 
it reversed what Adam's sin brought. Life is what it brought. Adam's sin brought death. Christ's righteousness brought life. Adam's sin, Adam's sin brought death, brought sickness. Christ's righteousness brought you life. And you say, yeah, it's, my, yeah, it's life. Forgiveness of sin, righteousness, right standing with God. Christ's righteous, righteousness, his righteousness, his act of obedience brought these things to us. Just like you didn't do anything to be affected by Adam's sin. The Bible said Adam's sin spread to all men. You didn't do anything. The same way you didn't do anything to earn God's gift of righteousness through Christ. Nothing. So wherever there is forgiveness of sin, right standing is restored with God. Life is restored with God. And sickness and death is taken away. And that's what Peter was saying, Face Peter 2.24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. You see, say so he dealt with our sin, he took our sin, bore it on his own body on the tree, that we haven't died to sin, might live unto righteousness. Now that he took our sin and bore it on himself, by whose stripes you were healed. He bore your sin now, he took away your sin, and he was beaten because of our sin. See, because of that stripes, you, are now, you now have life. He brought you life. By his righteousness, he brought you life. You were healed. And Isaiah said the same thing. Isaiah 53, 6 and, and 10. Let me read 6, then I read 10. All of us, like sheep, have wandered each to his own way. We have turned. And Jehovah had caused to meet on him the punishment of us all. God has placed the punishment of us all on Christ. All of it. Including death, everything on him. And 10. Jehovah had delighted to bruise him. He had made him sick. If he so, don't make an offering for guilt. He says seed and prolonging this. And the pleasure of Jehovah in his hand doth prosper. He bruised him. Made him sick. By bruising him, he, he made him sick. When you wound him by all those stripes, he made him sick. And then verse 4, 53, 4, explain this again. He says, surely our sicknesses he had borne now, and our pains he has carried them. And we have esteemed him plague, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. It was a sin that brought this into him. Bruised for our iniquities. The testament of our peace on him, and by the same bruise, he was bruised for our iniquities, the same bruise for our iniquities, by the same bruise, there is healing for you. The same bruise that paid for your sin, cancel death, cancel sickness in your life. He said, oh, we, 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 we will know that you die when your time is gone. But not by this means. And Matthew quoted Isaiah. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand. The fever left her, and she arose and served them. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirit with a word, just one word, and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. He said, this is 
This is what he came to do, to bear our sins and take away our sicknesses. He was quoting Isaiah. So he healed all of them. To say that my mission here is to heal all of you. And I will take away your sins. When I take away your sins, I take away the cause of death, the thing that brought sickness, and healing will be yours. I give you life. In place of death, I give you life. In place of sickness, I give you healing. Then Psalm 103 confirms it. Who forgives? The first thing that Psalm says, who forgives our iniquities? That's the first thing. Then because our iniquities are forgiven, who heals our diseases? You can see it in that order. Who forgives your iniquities? And because your iniquities are forgiven, life becomes yours now. Who heals our diseases? Remember, Adam's sin brought death. God, Christ's act of righteousness brought life. So who forgives your iniquities and who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? See what comes out of that who forgives your iniquity. See what comes out of it. Then in Matthew 9, 2, then behold, they brought to him a paralytic, a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your heart? For which is easier to say. Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk. He said the same thing. If I tell you your sins are forgiven, it means you are well. The cause of your sickness is taken away. You are now well. Say, which one is easier? Do I tell him your sins are forgiven, or tell him you are well? Say the same thing now. Which one is easier? Which one do you people choose? Want me to tell him this one? I tell him. Your sins are forgiven means you are well. You can go. That's what he's saying. Because it's sin that brought sickness and death. But if your sins are forgiven, then you, the, the, the penalty of that thing he brought is no more effective. So he said to them, for which it's easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. I want to prove to you that his sins are really forgiven. That he's healed. Then he said to the man, then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, go to your house. And he arose, departed to his house. Simple. No prayer, nothing. He said, I want to show you people that truly his sins are forgiven by showing that, that sickness has no more power over him. This sickness is gone. It's gone. He said, arise, go home. Which one do you want me to tell him? Do you want me to tell him you are well, go? Or do you want me to tell him your sins are forgiven? Who forgiveth all our iniquities? And he that is the same thing. Which one do you want Jesus to tell you? Your sins are forgiven or have he done all your deeds? Which one? Jesus said, which one do you want me to tell you? It's all the same thing. Who forgiveth all your iniquities? And who healeth all thy diseases? Which one do you want? Which one? All of them are saying the same thing. If your if you iniquities are forgiven, then you are well, can go home. What brought it is Adam's sin. I came to restore life to you. So the question is Isaiah 53 1. Who have believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Who will believe that he forgives your sin and you are well? Which one do you want Jesus to tell you? Which one? Is it to tell you you are well, you can go? Or to tell you your sins are forgiven? 
Which one is easier? Anyone, take anyone. Take anyone. Your sins are forgiven means you are well. And if you are forgiving your sins, you are well. What this man's experience is the same experience for everybody. So don't let don't don't begin to think evil in your heart. Saying, how can it be? And doubt is well known. If your sins are forgiven, you are well. Rise up and go. Start doing something you couldn't do. Believe the word. The sins of Adam brought death. But the act of righteousness of Christ brought you life. And Jesus said, which one do, do, do you have? Okay, which one do you want me to tell you this evening? You are well, go, because your sins are forgiven. Didn't he pay for our sins with his blood? Didn't we, didn't we have received redemption and forgiveness of sin? If I receive forgiveness of sin, then he said to us, you're, you're good, can go. You're fine. You're fine. So what he told this man is what he's telling us this evening. Which one is easy? Do you want me to tell you your sins are forgiven? Or do you want me to tell you you're well, you can go, I healed you? Either of them is the same thing. Who forgave your iniquities and healed your diseases? You take it as true and start acting, acting the way you have never been acting. The man rose up and went home. He said, rise up and go. The man didn't sit there and say, I'm not going. He left, well, rose up and went home. So you can get up, whatever, and just go your way. You're fine. It's no prayer this evening. You're, done. You're good. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you for the word you send us. The word of life. The truth. All we need to do is believe it. You have done the heavy lifting. You did the, the work yourself. You called us into rest. To come and enjoy and one of them is healing. Because our sins are forgiven. We are well. We can rise up and go. Thank you for what you brought our way. Teaching us about our calling is to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to you. And the purpose of overflow, the pouring of your spirit on us. We are full, filled with it and overflow. It's for this power to give us the word that will penetrate people's heart. Before this power that you gave us to ring the bell to demonstrate the kingdom of God so that the crowd will come. And as we speak with the power you gave us, you will also help them to come into the kingdom. Because the purpose of all of this is to be witnesses for you so that others will believe and be saved. Lord, I pray that you will give us understanding in all of these things. It's not about promoting human beings. It's not about promoting any group or any church. No, it's, not. it's about promoting Jesus. That's what it's all about. The Holy Spirit came here to glorify Jesus and glorify Jesus alone. Peter said that the Father glorified the Son Jesus through the healing of this man. Father, help us understand all of this so that we align with you. Because many times the tongue we speak, we wonder, where is the power? But we have to align with you and be the same purpose with you so that that power will surge. Because what he came to do, we must be agree with it and yield ourselves to it. It's part of our spiritual sacrifice that is acceptable to you. Help us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.